postmodern and post-Christian are both terms that the, the church seriously needs to retire. We're going to the world to tell them who we are, and we're not going to the world to present who God is. A world in which so much is focused on building walls and keeping people out. An alternative way to live is to live by... It's almost like raising up white flag and saying, Ah! It's all the secular people's fault and no one's listening or coming to our evangelistic campaign. How can we redesign Adventism to be effective at reaching emerging Western culture? That's what the Story Church podcast is all about. Adventism Redesigned. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Mark is here and I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Story Church Podcast. Now today, I want to focus on uh, something that I've kind of spoken about from time to time in the past. uh, And that is the Adventist Church website. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the five worst church website mistakes that Adventist churches usually make and how to avoid them. But before I do that, I want to introduce you guys to something new and I've also got some news for you. So uh, I'll start with the news. Uh, My Instagram account uh, at the Story Church Project is officially closing. Uh, It should actually, I don't know, by the time you um, hear this, it might actually be closed already because I've been posting on Instagram for about a week now that that account is closing and I've got a new account. And so that new account is at pastor underscore Mark T. So that's M-A-R-C-T. So if you want to follow me there, follow me there. And, uh, you know, you can see pictures and photos of just all the different things that are happening that that I share on there. So check that out. But the Story Church Project, uh, sorry, Project, the Story Church Project Instagram account is closing. And um, I'm not going to take the time to explain why here, because I've done that so much during the last week on Instagram itself. Um, But I will say this, I'm really excited about the new account. So check it out. Come hang out with me there. Send me a message. Say what's up. Um, Now, there is a new segment that I am adding to uh, my podcast. Now, this isn't going to happen in every episode. I'm probably just going to do it once a month. But uh, toward the end of this week's episode, what I'm actually going to do is I've added a segment called Your Stories. And that segment is basically where I take the time to read some of the comments that come through on social media, um, as well as uh, emails that I get, um, not the private ones, but you know the sort of the emails that people send that they're okay with, with others um, sort of reading. Uh, I'm going to be sharing those because I want you guys to hear more than just my voice and uh, that it's not just Pastor Marcus who's got a hobby horse that he's um, poking at every week, but that there's real people out there in, in, in real scenarios in Adventist churches across the globe who are really excited about the things that are happening and uh, who are also really craving for that experience that we really focus here on at the Story Church Podcast. Um, and that is, you know, to, to create a new movement within Adventism, redesigned local Adventist church, uh, redesigned for mission, right? For, for incarnation, for connection, uh, rather than uh, tradition and programs and things like that. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to be sharing that in your stories. So, hey, what that means is if you had no idea, well, send me an email. Tell me how you're doing. Tell me what's going on in your church or just drop some comments on the content. Now, I want to focus uh, this week's episode on the five worst church website mistakes and how to avoid them. And uh, that's a huge one because, 
you know, the Adventist Church website is like, ah, where do I begin? <laughs> I don't want to focus too much on the negative. Uh, I want to definitely uh, put the emphasis on the things that we can do better. However, there are some things, you know, that we need to point out so that it's crystal clear what it is that is being talked about. And, and for the most part, Adventist church websites are super outdated. Like their interfaces are bad. It's got these mediocre looking font types. Um, and it just, it does not make you want to pop into the local church the next time you're in town, like at all. And it's, it's, it's really plain and simple. Why? Because the thing is, if you create a website or if you have a website that doesn't actually connect meaningfully, that doesn't, it's not an experience for people. They're not going to want to visit your church. Your website is like the window into your church. And uh, it's, it's got to really communicate your heart as a church. Now, if your church doesn't have a heart, that's a separate conversation. Make sure you download my ebook, Heartbeat, How to Redesign Your Local Adventist Church. Um, download that ebook and you can talk about, how, you know, how to get a heartbeat. Um, but essentially, your website should be communicating your church's heartbeat. And if it's not... Um, we run into problems and that's what I want to talk about today. So I'm going to focus on how we can design a missional church website that doesn't bore your neighbors away. Uh, and I, in order to do that, I'm just going to frame this as the five worst church website mistakes and how to avoid them. So let's go ahead and look at number one, number one, Adventist church website mistake. Um, your church website has an outdated and cluttered user experience, or it's just plain boring. Now, the church website is a, is a powerful tool for connection. Um, in one of my churches, for example, we've designed websites for the churches that I'm working at. And in one of them, like we actually get regular new visitors coming to our church because of the website. So they're online, they're searching for a church in their community, and they see our website and they're like, yeah, I want to visit. Um, and this is because of the way we designed the website, right? We designed it to be simple, stress-free, uh, something that communicates to visitors, we're thinking of you, right? Now, unfortunately, the same can't be said for all Adventist church websites. Although I have noticed them getting better, slightly better in recent years, um, there are still some key mistakes that we keep repeating. And the first is that many of our websites are using interfaces that are old, and old translates as irrelevant in modern society. So if your church website is old, most people searching for a church, you're gonna bypass your church for that reason alone, right? Um, and, and to make matters worse, a lot of our church websites, they, they don't just have an old interface. And by old interface, what I mean is you go on the website and it doesn't look modern. It, it looks like it's, you know, a design or a style or, or that is like from the 2000s, you know, like early 2000s. It doesn't look like a modern, slick, you know, professional, uh, updated looking website. Um, and so, and, and to make matters worse, like I was saying, like most of our church websites that I've, I've been looking at, they're really cluttered. So it's like we're trying to stuff as much information into the front page as possible. And what this actually does is it creates the opposite effect that we're trying to, to you know, um, to have, you know, we're trying to get people to, to see all the information, uh, but it's overwhelming and it creates anxiety, uh, which is totally not cool. So generally speaking, when people go to a website and it's really cluttered and difficult to follow and there's just information everywhere, uh, they do what I do. They just click away and go somewhere else because life's too stressful to be stressed looking at a website. 
Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I've also seen lots of Adventist church websites that are just so boring. And by boring, I mean the entire website looks like a copy and paste, insert name here template that was done with an absolute minimum. Let's just have a face on the internet approach. And if your church website is boring, what that tells me is you are boring, which is also not cool. Now, to the contrary, a church website, and, and I'll give some tips here, a church website it should have a modern look, which means clean, trendy, and inviting. Now, if you look at, you know, most people are on the internet all the time nowadays, and they're interacting with these, like, these websites that give them a really high rate of user experience, and then they go to your website, and it's like, eh. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we need to have them clean, trendy, inviting, and unfortunately, most conference-provided free church websites aren't capable of this. Um, even recent updates are still, they're still below the mark, guys. And, and, and I do want to commend some of the recent updates. I'm, I'm glad that there's updates happening and that they're not as bad as they used to look. Um, but even then, the ideal is not to use a free conference church website. All right, they're still below the mark. So my advice is, look, jump on Wix, on Squarespace or Nucleus. Nucleus is specifically designed for churches. Um, Wix and Squarespace aren't, so you got to wiggle with them. Um, but Nucleus is specifically designed for churches. It's just slightly more expensive than than um, Wix and Squarespace. But, you know, they're totally worth it. I mean, again, they're not free. You got to fork out money. You know, it's like a yearly subscription, you know. But it's completely and totally worth it. When, we, when you've got people walking through your door on a regular basis who are like, yeah, I just saw your website, you know, I just wanted to come check it out. I mean, you know. A $250 a year subscription for Squarespace is like, come on. Um, now, of course, you, you still have to use these resources right. They're not magic solutions. So for starters, your front page has to be super simple to use. Uh, you got to avoid stuffing as much information to the front page. Stay away from the sliding image thingy as well. I don't know if people are just, churches just love the sliding image thingy at the top. You know, it just slides, you know, sermon and, you know, next event. And then it slides again to something else. And it's like, no, they're horrible. Stay away from them. They're so bad. Um, the bottom line is this. You want a person's eye when they land on your website to go to one central place on your front page and not have five different things competing for their attention, all right? So stay away from the sliding image thingy. And if you've got links up at the toolbar at the top, which most websites do, keep them to a minimum. Usually five is good, seven is, you're kind of starting to push it, five is good. Um, so that's number one, all right? Your church website has an outdated and cluttered user experience, or it's so plain it's boring. So don't, you know, don't fall into either category. Um, be classy, guys. Be classy. So number two, your church website lacks new visitor information. Now, there's nothing worse for a visitor than arriving at your church website and feeling like it's not made for them. Now, your church's contact info, service times, and location should be super duper easy to find. You got to make this thing so dummy proof that you cannot miss it. And the amazing thing is you'd be surprised how often this information isn't on there. So the best way to get around this is to always include a heading or a button with the title, I'm new here. I mean, it's that simple, right? Like, I'm new here. Click. Ah, oh, there's all the information that I need. Cool. Like, that's the best way to 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 get around that and, and make sure that that is one of the first things that a person sees when visiting your church website. It shouldn't be tucked away somewhere. You know, it shouldn't be like a, the last link on your toolbar off in the corner um, unless it's got like some like cool design that makes it pop, right? Uh, the point is you don't want it to be hidden. You don't want it to be tucked away. You want it to be super obvious 
when a person gets to your website, kaboom, I'm new here. Yes. Let me click on that and see, see how that, how this rolls, right? Number three, your church website is loaded with cheesy stock photos. Let me be honest with you guys. If you're going to create a church website, please stay away from stock photos. There's nothing worse than a church website with people like pictures of people who don't even go there. It's fake. And if you think visitors are not going to notice, think again, because it's super obvious. Now, the same goes for your social media account, guys. Like stock photos are just plain bad, okay? Um, now, with this bit of advice, I need to include another huge recommendation. Please don't forget this one because I'm noticing this trend lately. And maybe it's not a trend. I've just started to notice it lately. Um, with lots of Adventist churches, they open a Facebook account or a website, and the main image, either on their page, on their, their you know their picture, or on their header, is an image of the church building. Seriously, why? Why do you do this? I don't understand. I mean, think about it. No one is going to look at a picture of your church building and think, "Wow, just look at that architecture." I mean. Most of our churches have plain architecture anyway, so there's nothing to be, you know, boasting about. Um, and, and no one's going to look at it and be like, wow, look at this paint job. Or, hey, wife, you know, I just found an amazing church. Just take a look at this photo of their church sign. Isn't it great? Like, let me make this plain, okay? Let me make this plain and simple. Uh, as, as plain and simple so that it's super uh, easy to understand. <laughs> when it comes to your church building and its clever sign... Three words, guys. No one cares. I'm sorry. I hope that wasn't too harsh and I hope that didn't hurt. It's, it's the truth, guys. I don't know why people put pictures of their church building up and they try and throw these filters on them. It's just like, no, just no, okay? This is not like St. Peter's Basilica or, you know, like, it's just stay away from that. And instead, what I recommend is have photos of your actual church. And that is the people, not the building. And that's the kind of stuff people are attracted to, right? People are attracted to people. People want to be in connection with people. People want to be in relationship with people. Have photos of your church family, not buildings. Please jump on your website today. Get rid of that church building <laughs> picture. Um, so here's my advice. It, have someone in your church with a good camera and decent skills capture photos of church life. Like church life. Have lots of pictures of church members smiling together, talking, laughing. Um, use those as your church website photos, right? They show life. And, and they don't have to be award-winning photos. They just they need to be authentic. And, of course, like, uh, they need to be decent, okay? Um, don't just go there with, like, your iPhone, you know? That's not going to work. Um, and if you don't have a single person in your church who can take good photos, and by the way, you know, Elder Francisco with his $2,000 DSLR that he just bought last month and now he thinks he's a photographer, yeah, he doesn't count, all right? So if you don't have a single person in your church who can take good photos, hire a local photographer to do it for you. But no stock photos or pictures of your church building, right? And if you're like, oh, well, I can't hire a local photographer, they're too expensive. Well, I mean, maybe there's another church with a photographer. Just whatever you do, no stock photos, no pictures of your church building, and no Elder Francisco. All right, number four, your church website uses words no one else does. Here's the bottom line. Your church website should be written to speak the language of everyday people because everyday people will be visiting. 
So make sure you avoid any and all use of churchy language like Sabbath school, AY, potluck. Like everyday people don't talk like that, guys. You know, like Sabbath school, like what's that? You know, like AY, huh? You know? Use simpler, more general words. So like instead of Sabbath school, just use Bible study. I mean, that's what it is. It's a Bible study. Everyone can understand that, you know. Instead of AY, it's youth program, guys, or a youth gathering. Uh, instead of potluck, just call it lunch. That's what it is, you know. You're eating food. It doesn't, you know, you don't need to secret code word um, in there for that. Um, so the best way to do this, and here's my advice, best way to do this, Create your church website, do your best, and then have a non-church friend read through your website and give you feedback. What parts did they not understand? Make them understandable. It's that simple. I'm on to number five now with the five worst church website mistakes and how to avoid them. And mistake number five is basically your church, church website is designed for members. Now, every single mistake I've mentioned in this episode so far happens when we design our church websites for ourselves. So my suggestion is that our church websites should be missional tools. We use them to reach others, not just to communicate amongst members. So if you sit down with a team and ask, how can we design a website that will make visitors want to visit our church? You will naturally avoid most of the mistakes church websites tend to always make. So that's it for me, guys. Um, I don't know if you have any other church website mistakes to avoid. Drop a comment on Facebook, on SoundCloud, on Instagram. Let me know what you think. You know, drop a comment on the actual web page where this blog slash podcast is um, at the storychurchproject.com where it's gone live. Uh, let me know what other church websites mistakes should we avoid. But by way of review, remember, um, make your website clean and trendy not outdated and cluttered and boring. Um, make sure your website has an I'm new here section. That's very obvious to begin with. Uh, make sure your website has authentic photos of church life, not cheesy stock photography, not pictures of your church building. Um, and make sure your church website uses words that everyone is familiar with, right? Not secret Adventist jargon. And basically... Just design your website for guests. Don't design it for church members, right? Design it for guests. And you will design a church website that is absolutely stunning and, um, and begin to actually have people attending your church just because of your website. It's great. Happens, at, like I said, at one of my churches all the time. And it's so cool. It's like, yes, this is, you know, people walking in, oh, why are you here? Oh, your website, you know, I just wanted to come check it out. Oh, great. And then they stick around, they hang around. It's really, really cool. So make sure you implement that, guys. I hope that, that you find that helpful and meaningful and that you can go back and kind of look at your church website with a bit more of a critical eye and redesign it for mission. Now, before I close this week's episode, like I said, I wanted to take just a few moments to read some of the messages that have come through um, recently. And so this is the segment that I've talked about at the beginning that I'm introducing uh, the segment titled Your Stories. And so here we go. I'm going to start out with some comments on the previous episode, uh, Three Simple Ways to Love Your Youth. And this was with Martin and Alina Van Rensburg. And if you guys haven't heard that episode yet, seriously, you got to go back and check it out. It was such a good interview. We we're talking about growing young and we looked at three of the six principles in that um, that, uh, you know, really 
empower our local churches to empower their young people. So two comments came through on that one. Uh, well, there was more than two comments, but I'm just reading the ones from the church, uh, from the actual website here. Such a great interview. This is from Susan Willard. Uh, such a great interview. Thank you. I'm curious about the book you reference. Is it Growing Young by Powell, Mulder, and Griffin? I'm very eager to learn what the three other strategies are for growing our youth program. Or maybe you need to share them in another podcast. Maybe. Again, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Susan. I really appreciate that. Appreciate your comment. Um, I did reply to this, but just uh, so it's clear for everyone. Um, yes, we were talking about the Growing Young book by Powell, Mulder, and Griffin. And the good news is that I am doing another interview. Uh, it won't be with Martin and Alina, but it'll be with a close friend of theirs who uh, has also worked together with them in the Growing Young Project. Um, and I will be interviewing her soon with the other three um, steps that we find in Growing Young that I wasn't able to cover with Martin and Alina, but thank you for that. Really appreciate that. The next one comes from Nelson. Uh, a great interview, Marcus. One of the thoughts I have in regard to warm relationships is the how, the sentiment of warm relationships is widely understood. However, I wonder if our lack is primarily in interpersonal skill. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I did reply to this as well, but I, I would say, just as I said there in writing, that I think part of the challenge is that many of our churches and church members have kind of built a culture predicated on being right. And when you have a culture predicated on being right, people aren't necessarily interested in relationships. They're interested in being right. And I think we need to get away from that, right? It's good to have truth, but um, truth that does not have a relational impact is not really worth having. Um, and so I think that that's a part of it. And I, I would agree that perhaps because we haven't been practicing interpersonal skills because we've been more interested in apologetic skills, maybe, you know, being right, um, we're not very good at that. Uh, and so, yeah, look, I just want to encourage churches everywhere to, to move away from the sort of like, hey, I'm right um, priority to, uh, let me love you priority, right. And, and allow that to mold our relationships in a really positive direction. Now I got some emails that came through as well. Um, and, and this one's from Philip. Now, Philip, uh, sent Philip lemons. He sent a, a, a really cool email. Um, I actually wrote him back and, and told him that I'd love to share this, um, just a little bit of a story. Now it's quite long, so I'm not going to read all of it. Um, but this is Philip's uh, sort of a summary of what he says. I listened to this episode and have a lot of respect for Martin and Alina's perspective. The key chain discussion resonated with me. I quit going to church in my early 20s because I didn't feel like I belonged there. For one, all the teaching in Sabbath school growing up taught me that Jesus loves the good kids best. And although the adults saw me as a good kid and most of my peers, I didn't want to be. I was too afraid to do some things because I feared the consequences. So for a while... I was hanging out at a coffee shop until it closed at midnight on Friday night, flirting with a gal I was too afraid to ask out and then would go to church Sabbath morning as was expected. After I had quit going to church for a while, a friend invited me to a non-denominational church. The service was contemporary, which appealed to me. I felt like I could get lost in that big church and enjoy the music. But ultimately, it was brutal honesty with God that brought me to the personal understanding that God liked me even when he knew me completely. Isn't that awesome? That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. That was a new message to me, and I didn't think church people would like me if they really knew me. And so um, Philip goes on, and he talks about the keychain discussion uh, that I had with Martin and Alina last week on, on the, um, you know, one of the keys for retaining our young people. Um, and he sees this, uh, Philip says, as a visual demonstration from one generation to the next so that they are accepted as God's children and trusted not to crash the car 
so to speak. Phillips has a lot more, but uh, I'm going to um, go on to the next email. But uh, hey, look, thanks, Philip, for sharing that, man. Thanks for sharing your story as well. And uh, you're absolutely right. The keychain discussion is a huge one. And I think it's, you know, of all the different principles in growing young, it's the one that resonates with me the most as well. All right. I got an email as well from Bobby Zenner. Um, I've been listening to your podcast and following you on Instagram. And uh, a few minutes ago, just finished listening to How to Stop the Never-Ending Youth Exodus. So that was an episode from a, two or three weeks ago. Uh, I have to say thank you. The Holy Spirit is using you to ins- encourage and inspire me. And I may never be able to put it into words. Thank you. Well, thank you, um, Bobby. I really appreciate the feedback. Now, she goes on to say, Life for me in my local Adventist church is very frustrating, tiring, and I'm sorry to admit, sometimes downright hurtful. There is joy, too, as some of the dearest friends and mentors are there, too. But literally just minutes before I began listening to that episode of your podcast this afternoon, I was talking to my husband on the phone about today's newest church stresses and even vocalized that sometimes I wonder why I keep putting so much time and effort into volunteering at church. Anyways, I'm not writing to complain. I'm writing to say thank you. Don't condemn the darkness. Light a candle. Wow. I'm going to write that post on a sticky note, put it on my kitchen sink where I can see it all the time. I want to be God's candle. I want to um, thank Bobby for sending this this message through. And I really want to thank you for communicating as well um, your frustration. And honestly, this is why I run the Story Church Project because this, these are real stories, right? And I, I encounter these stories all the time. Um, and I've just decided now, you know, to include this segment in the podcast where I read some of them out because I want people to realize, like, it isn't just Pastor Marcus, you know, sitting in a corner somewhere who's got a bone to pick with the church, who's always talking about how we need to do better. Uh, I, I, I talk about it because I have these conversations so often. Uh, I, I had them when I was in America. I had them when I lived in Hawaii. And I have them here in Australia all the time. People are really itching and thirsting for, for something different and better. And I want to encourage the church in that direction. I want to encourage you, Bobby, as well. Um, I'm glad that God is working in your life. And, uh, you know, let's stay connected and let's keep working together to redesign our church for mission. Now, I got one more email that came through. Um, and this is from, man, this is from the Czech Republic. Nice. Um, so anyways, before I read his email, I, I want to explain to you what this email, the context of this email. So if you go to the um, Story Church Project store, there's an actu- there's an ebook called Heartbeat, How to Redesign uh, Your Local Adventist Church. And in that ebook, when you, when you read that ebook, um, after the introduction, it asks you to commit to the process. And if you commit to the process, you tap the button and it takes you to the website email and, and you can send me an email telling me how you are committing to this, um, to this process. And so, um, yeah, so tap the button and I, I've got this email through now. I'm, I'm not going to read everything. Um, but I do want to get, give you guys the gist of what he's saying. Um, so he's part of a church and it's, it's a very young church and, um, it's alternative, you know, uh, to the conservative standard. Um, but he says, I just can't help but feel that we, we found, our own different liturgy and fell into a stereotype and tradition. So again, we're, we're sort of more contemporary. I hear is what he's saying, but it's kind of like we're still traditional. And I've talked about this before that, you know, a lot of modern churches are just traditional churches with a cosmetic, a modern cosmetic, modern makeup. You change the music, you change the dress code and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is that none of that stuff really is missionally effective um, at the, in, the, in the way in which we've often claimed they are. Um, so he goes on to say the church has no real mission, um, and most members are content with what happens each Saturday. Uh, and, and so 
there's no drive to do something for the community around us. And I hope your book will help me start and sustain a conversation about change and the change itself. So uh, thank you for sending that through as well, man. And I, I wish you all the best. And definitely, you know, write back to me, contact me if you have any other questions and stay connected to the Story Church Project where we hope to have more resources and information as the years go by. Uh, the vision here, like I've said before, is to redesign Adventism for mission. And, you know, I can't redesign Adventism for mission, but I want to inspire that conversation and hope that people take it on board. And so whatever your local church in or whatever space you find yourself in, to look at your local church and decide once and for all, I will not be content with the status quo. I want something more. I want to pursue something more meaningful and uh, experiential and life-changing. And I wanted my church to be a part of that journey. So thank you for sending that through, Martin. I really appreciate it, man. And I wish you um, and all the best. And I'll be praying for you. And again, just um, for you and for everyone else who's written comments, emails. I'm going to stop here for now. Um, there's more. But um, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys to keep keep sending them through. And, uh, you know, once a month I'll read. Uh, read some of them out and just share with people what different stories I'm encountering uh, along the way. So thank you guys. And I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping up this episode, but I want to close by saying uh, a big thank you to the patrons as well who are um, supporting the Story Church Project uh, through Patreon. And if you want to support the Story Church Project through Patreon, and uh, which basically enables me to do a lot more and a lot more effectively, uh, then you could just go to patreon.com slash the Story Church Project. All the information is there. We'll take you less than a minute to read it and we can work together. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up for now, but I'll catch you next week. Take care. God bless. Thank you.